everyone. Justin Lyons, still the founder of Blaze. The vision that I just can't let go of, despite not making a single dime in three years. Spending all sorts of money. And uh, foregoing more comfortable career choices. But hey, it's, uh, it's an adventure. And uh, I'll never be the same. So uh, I wanted to dive back into podcast land as a parent who... Let's say that I, I felt like I, you know, we were at the, like the we were final lap of this whole pandemic nightmare. School coming near to an end and uh, a lot of kids are back. Some are part time. My son's middle school finally offered him to go back. I'd say there was about 68 six to eight weeks left of school when I got a phone call from the assistant principal inviting uh, him to come back into the classroom. Life was a little busy at the time. I brought it up to Miles and he immediately said, no, I don't want to go. I won't be as productive. He said, uh, besides the kids, they just go there and they essentially Zoom, sit in classrooms and Zoom. So what's the difference? Um, and he's like, I, you know, I just feel like it'll be more distracting. Now at the time, Miles was getting straight A's all year. And um, I didn't have any reason to be concerned. In fact, I haven't really had to look after him at all this whole year. You know, early, early on in the year. The school year, his teachers asked that he turn his camera on for Zoom, but he wasn't the only one. No one was turning their cameras on. I had him turn his camera on, and he kept his on, um, even when everyone else was turning theirs off. He remained being a leader in the breakout sessions, even when other kids um, sounded or were essentially completely disengaged. Uh, and he would voice this to me, and he would be very frustrated. And I'd say, you just got to keep being that person. You know, you can't, you can't sink to, you know, that level of checking out and being disengaged. Now, Miles splits his time between his mom's and, and, uh, in my house, he has a new baby sibling that he adores, but that created a scenario where we had to build a room for him in the basement which maybe most 13-year-olds would love it, and he did, but it is somewhat isolated. Um, I took away his computer and his TV, and it's more of a gaming computer, probably a couple months ago, just because I, I found out he was gaming during school occasionally and staying up too late, and I... It's something about kids when they start uh, playing a lot of video games, especially 
when they're socially interacting via these games. Uh, it's incredible how their behavior and their attitude deteriorates as if almost like a drug addict. <laughs> um, so whenever I catch wind of that and see the correlation, I usually yank that stuff away. Call that reactive parenting. But um, so fast forward to not that long ago and he was at his mom's and I see an email come through. I guess the online grade book is down the district and his science teacher sent um, a progress report. It's uh, you know, it was not a personal thing. It felt um, like somehow it was a part of some sort of like email mail merge uh, to send each parent like a, a detail on, you know, recent assignments and uh, assessments and stuff and uh, what the grade is. Now, normally when I get these, I see just rows and rows of A's. I open this one up and it started that way. Uh, the first five rows were an A and then I saw an F and then I saw an A and then I saw an F and then I saw a B and then I saw an F and another F. Um, occasionally there would be one F, which was standard if, you know, he didn't get it in on time or, you know, whatever. But this many Fs was concerning. And I looked and I saw things like assessment, 20 out of 40. Now, assignment, 3 out of 5, an F, okay. Um, but a 20 out of 40, that was new. Um, a 5 out of 10, a 13 out of 25, things missing. So, uh, without me <laughs> taking a lot of time to consider, maybe there's a deeper issue going on here, I fired him off a text asking him what was going on here. And I want to read you what the text was back. And this is one of those moments as a parent that just sort of uh, shakes you up and challenges you. Um, like, what's your next move, bud? You know, yeah, you can fire off an email and ask your kid to be accountable. But uh, what about this? So this is the text he sends me. Uh, you can tell he's becoming a teenager just by the first line. You want to know what's going on? Well, I can tell you what I'm feeling. I'm feeling sad, empty, no one to talk to. I feel demotivated to do anything sometimes and can't even see the point half the time. I feel sick a lot because I feel sad and demotivated. The only times I feel good or happy is when I'm with family and friends, with Mickey, who's his baby brother, and you and Marley, who's his sister. And we're all having fun. That's the only time I feel distracted from all these horrible feelings. I'm always in my room all day and I get tired a lot. But then I know it won't do anything but make things worse. I don't want to let anyone down, so I keep things to myself. I can't sleep at night. I can never, ever feel good. I have a hard time expressing negative emotions like this, so I don't. It's not even school. It 
I just feel like I've done, I just feel like I haven't done anything for a year. What did he say? I just feel like I've done nothing for a year at all. Well, we'll translate that as he just feels like the last year he he hasn't done a thing. Um, Hasn't made any progress. So, (laughs) when I read that, now Miles and I have a pretty good relationship. We've always had a really good relationship. I've I've always been um, maybe honest to a fault with him, uh, but I just feel that the alternative when parents sort of gloss over life, deny reality, sweep things under the rug, don't show their own vulnerabilities. I think it, it's a disservice to these kids and I, and uh, it, it gives them an unrealistic um, bar to, to meet. So trust me, I've got plenty of struggles and, and faults that uh, maybe I've lowered the bar quite a lot for the kids, but I think that they know how much I love them and that I would do anything for them. They also know I'm very, very busy and stressed and life has been extraordinarily difficult the last two or three years, but they also know I'll drop anything in a second if they need me. So I was appreciative Miles sent that because my first thing is, wow, that's pretty depressed feelings. And he's at this age at 13 where he just shot up where he's like wearing clothes as big as mine. And um, he's got all these changes happening, but he has no social connection. Not only that, he's down in the basement. Not only that, you know, I'm busy. Got the new baby. Um, So I was very, very, very concerned. Um, And I don't, I, I guess I bring this up because, you know, yes, I was able to text him back and talk to him. But... And I, it would be easy to say, well, yeah, most kids his age are going through this. And I think it's true. I think he's lucky that he's had his baby brother to distract him and inspire him and to, lo- to love and his little sister to play with. And, um, you know, he knows that, yes, he talks my ear off a lot and tells me about every dream he has and this and that. And <laughs> I try to listen to most of it. Um so, so I try to be what he needs, but I think there's a tricky thing about depression where you may have, you may on the surface have everything that others think that you need, or a parent may think like, well, it's not like code red yet, right? It's, he's fine. You know, this is just a part of a part of life, but the pandemic isn't hasn't been a part of life. It's a new, um, it's a new reality. It's a new challenge. There's not a reference point for it. So, um, 
yeah, it, it was concerning. And I, and I, I worry about kids out there that, that haven't had a sibling that maybe didn't have a, as an attentive, wow. I shouldn't beat myself up. I'm, I'm told don't beat yourself up as much, Justin. So I'll say that I'm very loving and considerate and, uh, I will definitely sacrifice my own well-being and the health for the health and well-being of my children. And so um, that all said, it doesn't mean that these feelings aren't real. And, and if he's feeling them to that extent, a kid that's a straight-A student finally is just somehow in his mind taking his eye off the ball and kind of like a, a despondent attitude towards school and maybe life in general, it's very, very concerning. Yet I don't hear, I hear a lot of chatter about the emotional and mental well-being of our, of our children, but I'm not real optimistic there'll be any significant change because you know, you have teachers that are just trying to catch their breath. You have administrators that are just trying to catch their breath. You have parents that are just trying to catch their breath. So where's really like the, the bandwidth, the emotional and creative bandwidth to think of something different to solve this internal crisis that really is going to have lingering effects? I mean, I don't know what you know, family by family, kid by kid, what have they experienced in their homes with so much um, shelter in and, and isolation? Has it been a lot more arguing? Have they seen more of the reality of a fractured relationship between parents? Um, have they seen their parents kind of check out on them? Have they seen increased substance abuse, divorce? other abuse. And let's say none of that happened. What they didn't have was building friendships. So really, and this is where I go back with Miles, like what, what is my identity as a 13-year-old sitting in my basement for 12 straight months doing Zoom school where most kids have their cameras turned off and they're trying to manage all these subjects, all these assignments that are flying at them that are generally not organized in a great way. Maybe Google classroom or some other cobbled together system. What is their identity? There's no relationships there. There's no relationship with the teacher. There's no relationship with your, with your classmates. And what are we without our identity? You know, what are we without something to look at and say, this is what makes me valuable. This is what makes me unique. This is what makes me special. This is what gives me hope for the future. And I think, you know, traditionally you, students that are going to school, they, they can sit in a classroom and, and they can ponder that stuff. Um, they can, they can learn that stuff through the channel of social connection. 
um, they experience people, emotions out there sort of in the world. Um, that was all taken from them and you know and then they could come home and then you know the parents aren't like running on empty all the time because they're trying to work and their kids at home all the time you know i mean jeez i I don't know how many times i thought that all my silverware was like i didn't have enough silver what was happening someone was stealing my silverware because i could never have a like bowls and and spoons and forks it was like they'd vanish in, in, in an hour after, I, after we would empty the dishwasher. Well, you know, when kids are home 24-7, snacking, eating, you're, not, you're just working all day. These things end up in the couches, under the couches, behind TVs, you know, stacked up in the basement or in a bedroom. And then what does that make a parent feel like? The parents all stressed out, right? So they come out like, what the hell? You know? So it's just this constant, like, is anyone ever getting a break? Can a kid be a kid? And can a parent get a break from a kid being a kid? <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's, I think it's just been this constant pressure cooker. So, you know, back to, to Miles and, and identity and a lot of these kids, I think, I don't know. I think I can only reflect on Miles and, and, you know, I think he's fortunate enough to, he's got a lot of talent, but what I worry about is kids can have all the talent in the world, but if they lose the fire, if they lose kind of the mojo for learning, for life, for challenges, and I think that mojo comes from is fueled by the development of, of an identity, of a self-image. Um, and we we that develops dynamically through relationships, through experience, through change of environment. Um, Zoom learning is uh it's pretty terrible <laughs> as a full-time gig uh so anyway i i think that um i worry that 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 schools you know you got all these burned out folks they're going to try to do their best but they still got to get you know let's just say that like uh really what is the priority going to be i mean i'm sure a lot of I'm sure nationally and depending on a school district uh, testing went down, right? Performance went down. So now you're going to have the panic that America is going to fall behind or the city is going to fall behind or this small district is going to fall behind. So are you really going to have the patience and the courage and the creativity and the open-mindedness to make the whole child, the social and emotional foundation of a child, the identity of a child. Are you you really going to have it in you as a leader, as a teacher, 
or even as a parent that's going to complain if their student isn't performing well academically and wants the school to fix it. Is there really enough room for the core of what these children need? You know? Yeah, they got to learn a lot of things. I would say anything. You know, if, if, if Zoom learning revealed anything, it's how inefficient classroom education is. Um, so I, I, I think that there, but you know, there can be a reimagining here. It's just, uh, I guess traditional schools, the reason it probably struggles is because every solution has to be a, let's fix everyone solution. Let's serve everyone solution. And problem solving doesn't work like that. Change doesn't work like that. You know, you don't, you don't make massive change by saying everyone's got to change. You know, if there's a big gap in achievement, you don't say, oh, in the next, you know, 60 days, the 70% of these kids that aren't meeting minimum standards, we have to get them all up. It's not realistic. Can you get 10% of them up? Can you have the patience for that? And then build upon it? I think the, the interesting, I don't know what you would call it, the irony or the, uh, who knows, maybe I need to go back to school. But I'll explain it. So what I find very interesting about education is that they want everything evidence-based. So innovation is stifled because everything has to be evidence-based, which basically means it's a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of research, a lot of studying, so that you could put the stamp of evidence-based on it. And I think that that's wonderful. And I think it's, it's created um, validation, you know, that certain programs work. But at the same time, as slow as that process is, what isn't so slow is the patience, right? That, you know, the, it seems like folks can wait around five years to make sure to, to, for something to be evidence-based to, to put it into practice. But they won't sit around for one year and focus almost exclusively on the social and emotional growth of every child and every teacher. Because the inefficiencies that exist in school, it's like, how much of this crap can you just throw out? I know you're going to hurt some feelings, but can you just toss some of this stuff and be a little bit more experimental and say, hey, uh, okay, I'll tell you one thing. People in the workplace, if they can't handle themselves emotionally, I don't care how good they did in school. They're not going to succeed. If they can't be resourceful, if they can't adapt, if they aren't empathetic, 
if they're not socially aware, if they can't build healthy relationships, if they don't have a value system, if they can't self-regulate, if they're not even self-aware, failure, 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 drug addiction, alcohol, relationship problems, all these things, whether, you know, maybe, maybe they do perform really well at school, but the rest of their life is going to bite them in the ass and it's going to knock them off their track. And they're ultimately not going to be productive for the corporation or the nonprofit or whatever institution that they're working for. So I don't know. I don't study government well enough to tell you what I would do different other than the social emotional stuff. It doesn't take a lot of time. It just needs to be at the foundation. Kids just want to be heard and they want to actually contribute to the, the solution if empowered to do so. And they also want to feel like the adults have the humility to admit that, that they also need to work on stuff. And um, God forbid, you know, the kids and the adults actually step forward as, as partners and peers and their uh, social, emotional, life skill development. You know, it's, it's amazing how kids light up when you, you give them that opportunity. Uh, so anyway, I, I, um, I worry about my children. As an extension of them, I worry about other children because I've worked with enough of them to... Um, feel pain inside of me to think that um they're left behind or they're law or they're they're spiraling and no one's noticing that hurts deeply um because perhaps we've all been that that kid at one point so um that's it i'll try not to do too many solos who wants to hear my voice the whole time, but um, hopefully, maybe, possibly, you got something out of this. And uh, I'll just end it with this. Think of one thing that, that that's positive in your life from the last day or two, a relationship, an experience. Just breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, do that five times. And just think about that one good thing. Eh, try it. It might feel good. Peace. Mm-hmm.